be honest, you missed us. It's been a while, hasn't it? But that's just because life is a little bit hectic. Who knew that moving house twice in a week and having a baby was stressing? I had no idea. Anyway, to help me make sense of my mental state and the world of cricket, I've got me two mates to help me out. Daryl Butler, how are you? I'm brilliant. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm so tired and we haven't even had the child yet. Oh, mate. At least the uh, intro music will be keeping you awake. That's louder than one of your shirts. <laughs> Cheers, dude. Um, How's it going? All right. You've uh, not the baby yet. I'm a smad. When's it due? Uh, we've got three, three weeks when, when the little one turns up, but lots of admin oh, beforehand. Wow. We won't bore the oh. fan... We won't bore the, bore the crew with all that sort of stuff, but I'm doing my best to keep my head above water before it gets really, really silly. How are you, mate? Yes. Are you okay? Very good, thank you, mate. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some live music for the first time since COVID on Friday. All right, who are you going? I'm, really, I'm going to see Sponge in Cheltenham. Oh, that's Scar-centric, isn't it? Oh, yes, mate. They're brilliant. I love them. Kicking Pigeons, is that them? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. Pete, how about you, son? How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. I had a lovely time helping you move house. We were uh, we were like proper men, weren't we? Oh, uh, well, look, I tell you what, I'm going to throw out the love right now um, because Peter de Stomberg took annual leave to help me move and big up uh, Daryl Butler because the in-laws insisted I bring a very heavy, a very cumbersome Chesterfield sofa hey, with hey, me. Hey, there's nothing heavy and cumbersome about me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about the sofa, but, you know, since oh, we're right. at it. Um, so, Daryl, you know, last minute, Saturday morning, get yourself round here. I need to move the sofa for the third time that week. So you boys are gorgeous, and I love you for having my back. And um, I, I wasn't taking annual leave, though, in fairness. That's to be on a Saturday. No, but you were, you were taking time out of your heavy drinking schedule, and I respect that. Um, but we are back. We're gonna we're gonna bang out another another podcast for you. I think this might well be the last one. Who knows what life will throw at us? But um, the season is well and truly over. It's it's almost Christmas. It's so late right now, isn't it? But never mind. Um, so uh, let's get into it. There's plenty to plenty to delve into, including an interview with uh, a senior member at Worcestershire County Cricket Club. That never happens as an independent. So we're proud of that. We'll bring you that in a little bit. But I think it's probably best that we uh, tuck into the news. Right, there's only really one place to start after the fortnight we've had, and that is England and Worcestershire all-rounder Moeen Ali has announced his retirement from Test cricket, but he'll keep playing the shorter forms of the game. Of course he will. There's loads of money in it. Nearly 3,000 runs, nearly 200 wickets, a genuine all-rounder at Test level. It's not been a great couple of years for him, though, so this is not a surprise, is it, boys? Yeah, it's, uh, it's not really a surprise. He's always been better at the short form of the game, although I think he's, he's Test test record is actually pretty good when you, you look at his stats but uh, yeah not a surprise it's interesting to see what we get out of him now in the coming seasons but I suspect we won't see much more of him because he'll be uh, say packed full with one day cricket be honest were you a little bit like me and kind of thought oh good we'll probably get three four day games out of him for Worcestershire and a couple more T20s yeah pretty I was much. just I was getting in it's bad for England but yeah can we have him back please because he's dynamite well, I mean, you say it's bad for England. They're just sitting him on the bench now, aren't they? You can go and carry drinks for England, or he can come and play for Worcestershire. I'd rather have him at our place. That's a good point, actually, because he's not a shoo-in for the 50-over or the T20 side for England, is he? Yeah. No. Yeah, come, come, come on, Mo. Mo, come on, Mo. Mo, come on. Wade, and if Libby's on it again next season, oh. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what. Shivers. Sal- salivation from oh, Daryl Butler. Mate. Right. Uh, more Worcestershire news. Joe Leach, captain, is standing down after five seasons in the role. 
it's greatest hits really got us promoted from Div 2, but you know that's what we do, isn't it? Promotion from Div 2, relegation from Div 1. That's how we go about our business. But I think Joe Leach has been a pretty decent captain. He's been very useful lower order runs as well. And he's had a good month. 16 wickets in the last month of the season. He's up for the player of the month or what have you. Not that it particularly matters. But uh, Joe Leach, I think he's done a decent job as captain and probably doesn't deserve a lot of the criticism that he gets. Thoughts? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, first of all, who do you think will be the captain next season? Well, Jake Libby has been made vice-captain, hasn't he? So it's very difficult not to see him be promoted. Who else is there, realistically? I mean, I, I wondered if Wade would come in and captain for the season. Yeah, that's, uh, do you know what? That's a, that's, a, that's a pretty good shout. He's there for the whole season, isn't it? So, He's there for the season, isn't he? That was a, we were excited about that, weren't we? Or I certainly was, anyway. But yeah, that's believe- the uh, player for the season. He's a, a senior international player. Why, why, not, um, why not give him the captain's armband for the season? Can't I argue believe with that. Um, his, uh, they asked the question at the members' forum that took place uh, earlier this week, and they wouldn't give an answer to the club, as you might expect, but I believe Wade's name was dropped into the hat. Right, okay. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of new signings, obviously we'll expect to see Matt Wade next season. They have been busy. I mean, it's the lower end of the uh, of the budgetary scale for signings, but we lacked variation in our bowling attack. Worcestershire have, uh, have signed a left-arm seamer. Ben Gibbon, he's got a two-year contract, 21-year-old. He was working on a building site up until then. Maybe he can help with the ground developments as well. We'll see. So he's promising. He played uh, some second eleven cricket and did well. I think Lancashire were after him as well, weren't they? Um, no, he played Lancashire second eleven alongside the other signing, which I think you're going to mention. So yeah, both of them have played for Lancashire seconds in the past. Oh right, yes, Taylor Cornell, the um, the the young batsman. He's a lefty as well, isn't he? He is a lefty. Yeah, there you are. Oh, the variation, the variation oh, we'll be offering. Um, so yes, you're well, absolutely right. Lefties by this time next year, aren't we? No bad thing. No bad thing. <laughs> um, so yes, he's signed. Um, I don't. I don't know how long his contract is actually. Do we know? It's a one-year contract Taylor's got, and I think Ben has got a two-year contract, if I remember correctly. That is correct about Ben. He's got two. The Funky Gibbon. Uh, and also, uh, Academy product Mitchell Stanley has got his first professional contract. Twenty-year-old fast bowler. Um, so there we are. We're making the signings. We're promoting the youth, uh, and that's fair enough, I suppose. In the world of Worcestershire, there's been plenty going on. Any more for any more for news, boys? Yes, we've got the PCA teams of the year, and we've got uh, Jake Libby is in the men's side, and Emily Arlott is in the women's side. So well done to both of those. It's also worth noting as well that Eve Jones uh, won the Professional Cricketer Association. She's a Sparks player, isn't she? And I think she's the first player to win it that's not been capped for England. Right. That's fair enough. I mean, she averaged about she had the um, uh, Charlotte Edwards Cup. She got the player of the tournament for that. And um, she averaged about 56 and outscored everybody by absolute miles as well. Jake Libby, that's fair enough. Over a thousand runs, run out of superlatives. We know the deal with him. Four centuries uh, in and 554 runs in white ball cricket as well. He's just been, he's been bonkers good. No great surprise. And Emily Arlott, what a player. And we, we were tipped off, remember, ages ago, right back when we started this sad comic display of a podcast. And I said that I had a chat with uh, someone at the club. And they said before the season started, um, Dave Hoskins just said, watch out for Emily Arlott. She's legit. And he yeah, was absolutely right. He, he said that she, she's, she's the player to watch. She's going to go places. And didn't she? Have, just... you two, um, have you two still got beef, though? Well, do you know what? She, she did blank me on the old, uh, on the old WhatsApps. And uh, she blanked me on the Twitter as well. I-, I can take a hint. She's not interested. It's okay. The 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 aim 
to get Emily Arla in the old hit for six chamber. We, we came up short. Rather like getting Ollie Murs on the pod, mate. It just didn't quite happen. <laughs> but, you know, not everybody is a show pony like me. So more power to her. She she's free. She's free from the harassment from the Honor Pair podcast, and she can continue on her merry way to being an England international because she's already got a call up, uh, and it looks like she's going to go far. And more power to her. Right. Got some numbers for her. Average of forty two with the bat in the Rachel Hare Flint Trophy. A lot. Twenty three point seven two with the ball and took that fantastic hat trick back in June as well. So uh, well deserved. Yeah, a, a superb player. I mean, bowls quick and aggressive. And one of your favourite phrases, boys, she bowls a heavy ball. Yes, she does. <laughs> um, right, I suppose with those accolades, we should probably acknowledge that apparently there was some very low-fry, low-importance sort of little award ceremony or something at the club. Uh, and so they've chucked out some awards. So Jake Libby has gotten a couple of awards. Dolly's got a couple of awards. Haynes and, and Pennington. It's not really worth reading out. It happened at Worcestershire County Cricket Club. It was at New Road. doesn't really matter because what does matter, boys, is that there is a very important announcement later as to who the Honour Pair Player of the Year is. That's the one that everybody wants. That's the one everyone's talking about. Who's going to win the first ever, the inaugural Chaminda Vase? We'll get into that a little bit later on, gang. Um, get the but, fanfare uh, ready. Mate, the fanfare is ready. I'm also... Oh. I'm also quite glad that WhatsApp is down at the moment. WhatsApp and Facebook and Instagram, they're all down. So we haven't been able to have a massive row about who we think is going to win. So um, we genuinely haven't discussed this yet. So we'll see how that pans out. It should descend into violence soon enough. Um, Gentlemen, I suppose the whole point of this podcast was to talk about games of cricket. Um, We have played two games since we last convened. One was at Lords. The other one was at New Road. I suppose we better round it off. I've got no interest in spending any more time than the length of the time it takes to send a rude tweet. Let's just let's just see if there's anything of interest. Did anything pique your interest in the game well, against Middlesex at Lords? Well, as far as I can see it from the last two games, there's two things of note. One is that we lost to Middlesex, but Gareth Roderick was good with the bat. And the second one is that we finished the season off nicely with a win and Daryl Mitchell was there at the end. They're about the only two things that I can take from both of those games. And Baker was the bat as well against Middlesex. That knock at the end got us a first in his lead, remember? Got, was he 61? Fair point, Daz. Fair point. There we are. Baker, Roderick and Daryl Mitchell being at the crease when we won. I mean, Libby scored runs against Leicester as well, which is nice. There we are. I think we can sum up those two games. Normally we go on for about 45 minutes and just dissect someone who played a poor shot once. And yada, yada, yada. Who cares? It's nearly Christmas. So there we are. Game sorted. Daz! Now we've got yeah. all of that stuff out of the way, have you got a little bit of Worcestershire Watch for old times' sake, mate? Yeah, let's go to Worcestershire Watch. Moeen's back in action in the IPL. And he's scored 98 runs in six matches since it restarted, including five in today's match against the Delhi Capitals. Unfortunately, the Super Kings lost that one. The Capitals have gone top of the table. That was the top two. Uh, so Delhi Capitals top of the table, Super Kings in second place. Josh Baker's been in action for the Young Lions. His side lost both of their games last week. Now, he took four for 65 as they failed to defend 405. What a game that would have been in the uh, the 50-over game there. Uh, One more thing to mention. Would you like some Alzari Joseph news? Yeah, go on. Go on, then. Caribbean uh, Premier League a couple of weeks ago. Um, Joseph St. Lucia came up against Chris Gale's St. Kitts and Nevis. That was actually in the final. Um, but they played each other in the group stage just before that. 
and uh, defending 225, Joseph uh, started the innings bowling to Gale, and the innings the over went six dot six wickets. It was a cracking uh, cracking four deliveries between the two ex Worcestershire. Uh, ex-Worcestershire players. And, oh, I love uh, a little bit of that. On Twitter, if you want to uh, want to have a look at that over, we'll uh, we'll retweet that because there's a, a, a top edge for six, a slug through cow for six, and then a, <laughs> um, an edge bouncer behind to the keeper. So a great <laughs> start with <laughs> the match there between those two ex-Worcestershire boys. Every now and again, like a really top-end game of cricket, and that's one, one of the things I love about this game is that you can see some really brilliant, controlled, fast bowling outside the off stump and plays and misses in test match cricket. But sometimes it's just see ball, hit ball, swing bat, top yeah. edge and it's just chaos and I, I love a little bit of that where no one's ever quite in control of what's happening um, yeah I love a bit of that sorry Daz as you were no that's fine mate that was all it was I will retweet that there's a little video of those uh, that started that over and it's quite good fun to watch I'm wondering why you haven't mentioned anything about the Central Sparks Daz go on they've been in action haven't they <laughs> no see I didn't do the research because I thought you'd be on it because that's what oh, you've done no, all season no. but they yeah they played they just fell short didn't they in their attempts to qualify for the, the finals uh, but I know that Chloe Hill scored a couple of uh, 30, 30 knocks in the last couple of games. But I think they've been set some really challenging totals. I think one of the games they were chasing over 300. Um, but yeah, Sparks have been in action, but sadly, they didn't make it through to the finals. But, you know, yeah, friend... probably over a month ago, wasn't it, I think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come I this is the thing. We're now we're now at a point by which we're trying to desperately crowbar an end to this season in a in a slightly confused fashion. And who knows now who played what and where, but at least friend of the show, Chloe Hill, was in the runs towards the end of the season. This yeah. is great. Um do you know what? We've been so organized and I've really enjoyed this season. Um, but it just does get the feel, doesn't it, with this one. <laughs> we're just we're just sputtering to a stop, and we're now on the hard shoulder between Mansfield and Lincoln, and no one knows quite where they are, quite what they want for tea, and we're well, all just dying up a damp pasty. And that's, that's it's a bit where, of a shame, really, because I feel that I've actually, oh, this is my peak of the whole season, <laughs> and you two are uh, turning it into a tatty circus. <laughs> Pete, Pete yeah. you, you are the glue that is holding this tired <laughs> Ford Cortina together, my friend. And I appreciate it. In fact, I've been like Roderick. I've not been very good all year, and I've come to the fore towards the end. You really went in the big game when you can show your worth at Lords. Pete has just chucked out a couple of really respectful 40s that no one will ever remember. And that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but Pete, but we love you for it, dude. Uh, we dig you. Well, look, that was, I mean, problematic for a review, but if you're listening to this, it's now midway through october probably and you already know all this anyway we're just trying to bookend our lives so um big up you for putting up with us let's get to the important part of this podcast and sort of what it was all about now um dave hoskins who's um uh, a senior figure at worcestershire county cricket club granted me an interview which we're very grateful to have he does commercial stuff so he's not going to be able to give you loads of in-depth stuff about communication with players squad decisions who's signing who and for why so let's just expectation manners here, but it's important that we did this. And the reason that we've done this, because we've been talking about this all season, it's about communication. It's about transparency. Uh, and we felt kind of OK with the way that the club was going and who was in charge of it. Um, and they said that they'd talk to us and they said they'd talk to us. And it got a little bit late in the season. We thought maybe this isn't going to happen. Uh, but Dave Hoskins did come up trumps and he did have a chat with me. Um and so we can listen to it now. It does go on for about 28 minutes, so the best part of half an hour. If you're not really into this, that's fine. You can whiz through if you like, and we'll see you, we'll see you in about half an hour. But 
every question that you fired our way via Facebook and uh, WhatsApp and all that and um, uh, and Twitter as well, I put all of those questions to him and he was happy to answer all of them. Some he had remit to discuss them, some not so much, but that's okay. So I think I think we're the first independent broadcaster to actually talk to Worcestershire County Cricket Club, someone who wasn't part of the BBC or already working for the club. Um, and I think that's very promising because none of us are members either and we deserve a dialogue with the club as much as anybody else. So here's me having a chat with David Hoskins about all kinds of things pertaining to Worcestershire County Cricket Club. We'll see you in a little bit. First things first, uh, a question that we were sent was just about the structure of the club. Um, so there were a few changes a few years ago. So could yeah. you just explain uh, the the sort of the structure and the hierarchy and kind of who does what? Because it's, it's not that clear on the website. Okay, so uh, Fanos Hire, our chairman, uh, runs the board, obviously. Uh, the board contains a number of quite interesting characters in terms of job roles and, and, and skill sets they can bring to the club. Uh, I think there was a change uh, in the board prior to rejoining, um, and certainly the, the interaction I've had with the, with the board members has been really, really good. We then have a um, senior executive team, of which I'm one of uh, one of the parties, Sarah Glyce, who's our um, company secretary and finance manager, is the other. And basically, Sarah and I look after the club and report directly to Thanos on the board. From a cricketing perspective, uh, Paul Pridgen uh, is chairman of our steering group, obviously vice chair of the club as well. Uh, and included within that group is um, uh, Alex uh, Gidman, Alan Richardson, uh, Kevin Sharp, and obviously Fadir uh, Ali. Um, so that bluntly is the structure of the club. So Sarah and I look after the day-to-day versions of the club. Alex and his team look after, uh, obviously, uh, on and off pitch uh, scenarios, and we all report to the main board. As you've already alluded to, obviously there are certain things that you can speak um, with authority on and others that aren't necessarily your area. Um, we were asked about... Uh, essentially the, the coaching structure and Alex Gidman. He's he's received, well, quite frankly, some really unpleasant interactions from some fans on social media about his performance. And we were interested to know how that structure may work. So does he choose the players he wants or does he get given the players to work with? Because it doesn't seem that clear as to exactly how on the playing side it's structured. Does does he get to does he get to pick the players or is it the steering group? Well I think I think there's a I think there's a number of factors here. As I said, I have nothing to do with cricket. Okay, I'm uh, I'm more on the uh, on the business side here. Uh, my understanding is quite clearly that Paul Paul Pridgen is, is head of that steering group. The four coaches are included in it. Uh, Fanas Hira gets invited to certain meetings. Okay, and they make decisions jointly, and those decisions are then rolled out. So Alex would have some involvement in in obviously players. As I said, it's not my forte, and I don't want to get too drawn into it. Um, there'll be lots of factors, you know. We would probably like to go and sign Ben Stokes and, uh, I don't know, um, one of the other superstar players that's currently in world cricket. They're not available. We're not interested, and we couldn't afford them. So I think I'd leave cricket to the cricketing people. Uh, it's, as I said, it's not my bag, but my understanding very much is that it is a collective group, and I'm sure Alex would certainly have his input into it. Okay. Um, I mean, with that in mind, I, I shall ask the next question, and I uh, entirely respect what, what you've just told me, so I know that it's not necessarily your place to answer this. But again, it has been sent our way, so I'm going to mention it. Okay. There have been instances where supporters have felt frustrated about a lack of communication, um, particularly on the playing side. The things that they mentioned, aside from the Ricky Wrestles thing, which obviously the club don't want to discuss, Josh Dell and Josh Tong and Pat Brown, so it's things like injuries that were poorly yeah. communicated. 
Um, so they wanted to know if that if that had been acknowledged by the club and if there were attempts to being made to improve that side of the club when they communicate with fans. Yeah, I think, I mean, um, the marketing team is led by Joe Tromans. PR is, is led by Carrie Lloyd. Um, as you uh, alluded to earlier, you know, this is this is not uh, anything that relates to cricket is really not me. But what I can say, what I can say is quite often there are reasons for people not actually communicating too quickly or communicating in a certain way because there may be other other factors that are around this. Yeah, uh, obviously I know Pat, Josh, and, and, and Josh. I don't know what their their injury problems are. Uh, they've clearly all been injured for a period of time, particularly Pat Brown and, and, and Josh Tong. You know, can we do things better across the board? Yeah, I'm sure we can. Is the honest truth, yeah. Um, but I think also that quite often, as a as a member or a fan or a supporter, um, you sometimes want information too quickly, and sometimes that information is held back for a particular reason. I'm not suggesting on these uh, three particular guys that's the case, but certainly that can happen. Uh, it happens here. It happens in a previous uh, a previous role in a previous life that I've come from. So. You know, we can always um, communicate better to uh, to our members and fans, for sure. Um, does that relate just to cricket? No, it doesn't. It relates to everything else that we do within the club. There's always this distinction made between members and supporters. And yeah. I think that, that frustrates some people. And so we want to know, is that a directive from the club that when you talk about the fan base, there is always that distinction that there are members and there are supporters? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, anyone that has an interest in Worcester County Cricket Club, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is important. Yeah. Um, I think there's a distinction between where I've come from, which is football and obviously cricket. Uh, football, you have fans or season ticket holders. Uh, here, we have members or supporters. Um, members are very important as a supporters. Members own this club at the end of the day. So obviously, there's more of an input than a, than a season ticket holder. And I think at the end of the day, we do thank members. We also thank supporters. You know, we are here, or part of my role here um, is obviously to grow our membership and, to, and, and grow our supporter base. I'd like to see a lot more younger uh, members and supporters coming into the ground. We've done a few things this year in terms of junior membership. We've increased that quite significantly, actually, which is good. We came up with a sort of three package system, which was bronze, silver, and gold. The gold package included a free uh, a free T20 shirt. Um, it also included an hour training session with some first team players. It was very well received. The the downside to a COVID year is that some of what we offered and some of what people bought they didn't receive. So obviously that's something that we'll try and make up for next year. But it was a way of I I thought attracting a, a younger audience to the club. You know we've got some very very loyal supporters and members that have been coming for many many years. Um, but we need to, you know, rejuvenate our junior section, and that's one way, of, I think, of doing it. The notion of in- inclusion and bringing young people into the ground. We had uh, multiple people ask us about diversity as well. Um, yeah. So we've had, in recent times, we have people like Zaya Khan, Saeed Ajmal, uh, Ravi Ashwin, one of the most iconic cricketers in recent English history, Moeen Ali. And so they were asking, we, there's, a, there's a, a vibrant and sizable uh, Asian population in the city of Worcester, uh, and yeah. we don't we don't see them at New Road, so we're wondering if there were incentives or plans to try and improve the di- diversity of the fan base. Okay, so, well, in terms of the fan base, the answer is yes, always. Actually, the um, the diversity in, in in Worcester, in comparison to where I came from, which is Luton, is almost like chalk and cheese. Okay, yeah. So actually, there is a diverse um, um, uh, public in Worcester, but nothing like other areas. You know, Leicester, Bradford, Luton, etc. Cetera, et cetera. 
Um, yeah, no, I mean, if you look at Worcestershire in, in general, uh, and we've done quite a lot of research in this in terms of um, Joe Tremens in marketing has certainly looked at his instance of debt. Worcestershire predominantly um, is white. Now, I can say white in terms of not necessarily British white, but maybe Eastern European as well. Yeah. Um, I think you'll find that in the high 90% Worcestershire, uh, certainly Worcester itself, uh, certainly is. Redditch is an area, obviously, where there's quite a, a large Asian population. And I know the cricket board uh, are running a number of um, wickets and uh, um, tournaments and educational programmes there. So, you know, through the cricket board, that is the way we, we believe uh, is, is a good incentive to get young, uh, diverse, um, uh, hopeful you know, future members to come and, uh, to come and join us. Um, it's a good point. It's something that we should work more on for sure. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's a lot of very good things that this cricket club does. Um, there are a lot more that we can do. Um, engaging with all audiences is very very important for obvious reasons. Yeah, um, you know, we had England uh, ladies versus India uh, earlier in the season. We had a fantastic um, array of, of of noise and sound and and culture within the stadium which we certainly embraced. My time here is nearly two years, but that was probably the busiest game at that point uh, that I've been involved in. And the atmosphere is absolutely electric. And there's a huge amount we can obviously learn from, you know, uh, you know, learn from that. So I think to answer your question, are we doing things? Yes. Can we do more? Certainly. Moen Ali um, is an iconic figure in British cricket. Obviously, Mo has recently just retired from, uh, uh, from the test arena which may open up other opportunities for, you know, for us and him, who knows. Um, one thing I would say is Mo and Ali is very able and very capable and very supportive of what we do. But Mo and Ali also is very restricted by what he can do through England and the ECB. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure every Worcestershire fan would love Mo to be playing every game, red, white ball and everything else. Yeah. Regrettably, that's not going to happen. But I think we embrace the opportunities and the times that he does give us, build on it and hope that his time here past, present and obviously future, we can embrace, you know, of all cultures in Worcestershire and, and in the UK. Somebody who's been going to Worcestershire for, for, for many, many years and didn't really think about what the Women's Pavilion represented. Yeah. Um, so they were interested to know, are there plans to rename it? Because she now finds it quite a, quite an uncomfortable reminder of almost sort of segregation, really, this, this idea that yeah. the women had their pavilion and they were kind of over there, especially with the emergence of the, the Women's Rapids who are... Uh, sort of a representative of a slightly more modern approach um, to what a cricket club is and, and should be. So are there plans for the Women's Pavilion to perhaps bring it into the 21st century? There aren't plans to rename the uh, the Ladies' Pavilion. Um, I mean, you're quite right in what you're saying. It is an iconic, um, um, unique thing that we do in, uh, in, in England cricket. You're probably also aware that the Ladies' Pavilion has been um, in operation now for 65 years this year, which is tremendous. And there was a, there was a piece uh, that was put out uh, previously. I think your point in terms of women's cricket, Worcestershire Rapids, Central Sparks, which obviously we're joint owners with, with Warwickshire, um, and then obviously Birmingham Phoenix as well. I think the women's game has come forward leaps and bounds over the last few years, which I think is tremendous. I think there are lots more we can do with with women's cricket here. I know fans on the board are very are very supportive of upping our anti, upping our game in terms of the, the, the Worcestershire team. The Worcestershire team feeds into obviously the joint Central Sparks and, and Phoenix team. But I think to I think to rename the, the ladies pavilion is not necessary. Yes, it is iconic. Yes, 
it is a little bit old-fashioned but i think actually that's part of the tradition i think that's part of the appeal um the group that we have that run it um is very well managed it's very well run um thankfully they were they did come back for the last county championship game and they were absolutely delighted to be back um they were with us on saturday evening for our end of season dinner um I don't think there's going to be too many changes in in in, in that um, in that regard. Um, are we forward thinking as a club, and are we forward thinking obviously towards um, the women's game? Absolutely. We had a question um, because they went to the women's international at New Road and loved it, and I think they they were basically asking about how does it work? Can Worcester, can New Road become essentially a hub or you know a regular home for women's international cricket? How does it work? Do you have to lobby the ECB and Sky or? Yeah, so, so basically the decisions are made by Sky. Okay, yeah, sorry, by, by the ECB, correction, by ECB, not by Sky. Um, we are on a panel of clubs that obviously um, uh, get the opportunity to host these games. Through Thanos and the board, have a very good relationship with the ECB. And I think it's worth pointing out that we delivered something that not many other clubs could do back in 2020 by hosting Pakistan here in their bubble for 14 days prior to them playing test cricket. I think that created a lot of goodwill between us and the ECB. And on the back of that, and um, the fact that we can actually accommodate women's cricket, uh, we've got two games this year. I think moving forward, we will get more games. Uh, the ECB um, run a very tight match day um, uh, team. We're very much part of that, and they very much like what we do here. I'll give you a couple of examples. I'll give you certainly a very good example. When Pakistan came uh, came here as in a bubble, they, they went from New Road to uh, to Derbyshire. Derbyshire had all sorts of catering issues and whatnot, and we actually took our chefs to Derbyshire to give them some advice. Um, one of the games was held at, um, at the Gia Stadium down in Southampton, uh, and our then head chef went to the stadium to ensure that the food offering that they were doing was as good as what we were doing. So we've got lots of rounding points with the ECB. We need to obviously continue to do what we're doing we've had two games this year i'd be very very disappointed if we didn't get games next year sky have nothing to do with it sky will obviously schedule the games and obviously we have a facility here uh, to be televised but the decision is with the ecb um, but i would like to think with what we've rolled out for them over the last two years uh, and delivered and delivered really really well um, then i think we'll get many more opportunities okay um, so, uh, speaking of food, actually, and facilities, uh, we've had some uh, questions about food and drink, uh, and um, one of our listeners said that there isn't anything for his wife who has a halal diet um, yeah. uh, beyond, there's just generally the kind of usual kind of pasty or cake and that sort of thing. So, he wants to know if they're looking to provide a more diverse, and he says, arguably a more exciting option for fans when it comes to food. And I'm interested in this because yeah. I'm a vegetarian and my partner's a vegan, so... Um, uh, so I'll be go. interested there to know. Go. Well, I think to be fair, I think it's a it's, it's a good question. Um, what we've done this year is, as you're probably aware, with COVID and everything else here, we opened the stadium with no spectators. We then had very limited spectators. We then up to very limited spectators. And then we got to full capacity. So there's a number of things, including our food offering on a match day, um, that have sort of changed and, and evolved as the season's gone on. Could we offer a more diverse food offering? Yes, we could. Yeah. Will we do that next year? Yes, we'll certainly look to do that next year. Yeah. There are a number of games where we've, where we've had limited uh, bars and kiosks open, obviously, for, for next year. COVID willing, then then hopefully, obviously, you know, we'll be able to do that. 
some of the items that we do offer um, from a vegan and from a vegetarian point of view, there is a pasty that, that, that fits the bill on both. One thing I would say is um, I think gone are the days of burger and chips. Okay. Yeah. So I do think that actually, I think people's expectations are higher. I think we need to up our game. Yes. A lot of the decisions that were made around food and drink were made early in the decision and they evolved as we went along. The picnic area, we have a couple of food traders on there. Uh, we have tried to mix things up on there. Um, for those that came to the Joe Wiley concert for argument's sake, we had a five or six different offering on there uh, from halal meat on, a, on, a, on an Indian stall all the way through to, to burgers. So, yeah, to answer your question, can we do better? Yes, we can. Will we make it slightly more diverse next year? Yes but still operationally sensible. And um, just sticking with that momentarily as well, because we had uh, questions about uh, local uh, Worcestershire produce. So they wanted to know whether there were, there were contractual obligations that meant uh, you used a certain brewery uh, yeah. or whether it meant that you could uh, utilise a lot of the, um, the traders in Worcester, for example, or in Worcestershire that provide beer and provide food and, and slightly okay. more artisanal pe- bits and pieces. Good question. Very easy answer from a um, from a pouring partner point of view, which is obviously drinking. We have a contract with them. We're tied to that contract, and therefore um, we would we would on that contract. Yeah, but there is a but coming. Um, I'm very very keen that we um, that we deal with local people. So if we can buy locally, we should buy locally. Um, the cafe and club shop, which opened to the general public uh, on Monday, and obviously prior to that three days, not four, but three days of, uh, of county cricket uh, and the last uh, uh, women's ODI. If you go in there, you'll see that there's very much a local range. To name a couple of the method coffee for argument's sake. Yeah, locally, uh, um, certainly a local business, uh, Peter Cooks, and we're doing pastries and bread from them. So we very much want to look at, 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 at local suppliers. They've got to be good, they've got to be sensibly priced, and they've got to be reliable for obvious reasons. But uh, um that's certainly something on our radar. It's something that we've started, and it's something that will continue. Okay, uh, and I suppose with with facilities and such like, uh, we had a question about the the sports bar. Yes, uh, plans for the sports bar to be a three hundred sixty five day establishment. Is that still the plan? Um, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's in the plan. Yeah. Um, again, you know, it's very easy for me. You know, for me to sit here and just blame COVID, COVID, COVID. It's currently my office. Believe it or not, we still are all spread out around the right around the stadium. Yeah. Um, and obviously during lockdown and during sort of deepest darkest COVID, um, we would have people, you know, one in a box, one in the Graham Hit Pavilion, myself down in the sports bar, Sarah, the company secretary up in the admin office. So we've utilised space and we've obviously done social distance and everything else that's gone along with COVID. The answer is quite likely. I don't want to put a definite uh, spin on that. But one thing I would say now is, and I think a lot of people have missed coming to New Road, even on non-cricket days. And, and we've seen that from the reaction of people that are coming back now and our new customers in our uh, cafe and club shop. People want to see the view. They want to see what Tim and the ground staff are doing on the pitch and whatnot. So um, I'm hopeful that part of the question you're asking there is that people just want to get access back into the stadium on non-match days. And I think that facility now, now does it. Uh, that's, you mentioned the view. Um interested about it being fully reintroduced and then developed for next season. Is that, is that yeah. the plan? Okay, so yes, is, is, is the plan. So the view basically, uh, view two and view three, is an executive member area on a match day. Yeah, predominantly the executive members go into view two, and the numbers have risen this year, which is great. So we're very grateful for those people. 
uh, not just because they're members, but because they're supporters as well. Let me just add to that. Yeah. Um, so we do a seasonal pass in there. We also do a, a match bet uh, in each day pass there. Um, and in fact, a number of the match day passes are now uh, converting into seasonal passes for next season. So that's good. Um, view three for me is an area that we can improve on. Um, I'm up for suggestions on view three and the team and I will sit down in the next month probably and try and come up with a variety of packages there. Would we run a match day restaurant there uh, on a game-to-game -game basis? I don't know. It's in the pot and we'll consider it. But, uh, but you know, view two is open for season, um, season passes and game passes. View three, I think, needs a bit more. But at the end of the day, if there's a facility there that's not being used or not being maximised, part of my role is to do that. No floodlights at Worcestershire. Are yeah. there plans to have any? Is it a real realistic possibility? Um, currently, no. Um, it's not a realistic possibility. Would the board sanction floodlights? And uh, the answer would be yes. At the moment, we don't need floodlights. Okay, yeah. Uh, we have an exemption from the ECB. I think it's one of our one of our niceties that we're a bit different to all the other grounds, but obviously it causes problems with games being brought forward. And obviously, you know, late summer, although if you look out the window now, it's certainly not late summer, it's certainly autumn now, isn't it? Yeah, in terms of fixtures obviously being brought forward. Um, is there a possibility of floodlights at New Road in the medium to long-term future? Yes, quite possibly. Uh, there's a huge cost implication around floodlights, but there are many factors behind that, many, yeah. many factors, you know. Look at where we're situated in the town. Look at where the cathedral is. I believe we're in a conservation area. That's a big question and a difficult one to answer. So it's, Would it's, I say we will never have floodlights in New Road? No, I wouldn't. No. Okay. Um, the three-part strategy of redeveloping New Road, the, the third yeah. part being New Road itself, so that yeah. end of the ground, is that on hold? Is it paused? Has it been axed completely or is it to be confirmed? It's, it's to be confirmed. I mean, that's Fanos and the board's um, uh, a remit. We want to improve as a club. We want to uh, uh, improve our facilities as a club. There are some exercises that are going on outside the club, which we're very much in, uh, involved in as well. So I think from a development and improvement point of view, watch this space, but I'm pretty sure things will happen uh, in the near to medium term. In the recent interview that the chairman gave, I mentioned the recruitment of an individual responsible for ground improvements. Um, yes. is, is that post focused? Is it on general maintenance or is it a, a wider, more significant long-term proposals that we part of? So what, what, what will their job role be? Where, where will they sit within the, uh, within the cricket club? Okay. So they would sit with Sarah and myself as part of the senior executive team. So they would report to Thanos and the board uh, directly. Um, their remit is not just stadium, but it's also pitch. Uh, and possibly other facilities that in time, in the in, in, in the sort of future, I think uh, we will probably be involved in, or I'm sure we'll be involved in. So they are a very senior level. Yeah, they will need a team to rejuvenate this, this stadium. We're very aware of that. Well, there was a fans forum on Tuesday night, which Fanos openly said, you know, at the end of the day, our stadium is not good enough currently as it is. Um, we do need to make some improvements and there'll be some significant improvements for next year. Prior um, to this person joining on the 1st of November, um, I am assisting in ensuring that we get various quotes of various things uh, to try and make uh, their life easier as they, uh, uh, as they join. Some of the things will, will be done post-flooding, if, if and when we flood, but we assume we will flood. So there's quite a lot of um, work going on currently to ensure that we're flood-proof. But I think, you know, 
this is one of the one of the key areas and key roles that we are currently lacking. We've put our hands up. We said, look, you know, we can do better. The person that's coming in has got a vast sports stadium, um, um, which I think is just uh, tremendous. They'll hit the ground running. Um, they've already been here on certain game days and certain match days and certain other times. So they're very aware of, of what is needed here. And I'm sure we can, um, uh, I'm sure we can deliver for that next year. Uh, there are some other roles as well, which I think are quite key, just, just whilst we're talking about sort of recruitment and staffing. Uh, not as senior as this particular role, but, you know, there have been a number of, of members and supporters that have had difficulty getting through to us. We've just recruited an additional member to the reception team that will assist um, uh, Emma Grayson, who's our ticketing and marketing manager. Emma is fairly new herself. Um, and that's an important role. It's customer-facing, it's first impression. So we've doubled the team. And the, the, uh, she only started actually last Monday. Uh, there's a big tick there. I've got a new um, sales and event manager joining me on the 26th of October, so 26th this month. They currently work in a very large hotel, which is uh, connected to an extremely large and prestigious sports venue. Uh, they've got over 20 years experience so again it's bringing in some ex expertise to that area in the very recent past in the last couple of months i've managed to recruit a new head chef and a new sous chef to try and obviously develop that team uh, michael and john were the executive and sous chefs at chateau Impney. Um, all right so, yeah. we brought in, so we brought in some experience there so really right across the board in in the departments that i'm responsible for and also not but also um, from a facilities point of view we understand that we need to bring in people but we need to bring in the right people and i think it's really important that you know we wait for the right people you know this facilities person we've had to wait for many many months or we know they're the right person so therefore they're worth waiting for so it's not about just employing bodies it's around it's about employing i think the right bodies that fit into the team that we're building here. And we are really building a team. It's quite exciting. Probably 75 to 80% there. Um, and there will be some other movements between now, I'm sure, and the beginning of the season. But um, to go back to your question, the person that's coming in from a facilities point of view is very senior, will report directly to the board, and will be responsible not just for the stadium, but for the pitch. And potentially other things that we do. You're recruiting, so Mr. Ferguson. I don't, he won't mind me naming him. He's one of our regular listeners. He's he, you've, he's met you a few times. He he goes to all okay. the games. He's a fine chap. And so he just said, yeah. I've had, uh, met Dave, had a chat with him. Nice bloke. Can I have a job? Um, so I'd say get your application in, Mr. Ferguson. The the live stream has been very well received. I mean, us on, we on the pod, we love it because. I mean, to be honest, without the live stream, we wouldn't be able to do the podcast because we wouldn't be able to watch all of the games because life yeah. gets in the way and you have to pretend to, you know, not be doing it at work and that sort of thing. Um, so we had quite a few questions about that. Are there plans? Because um, it was available to members last year. It's proved to be very, yeah. very popular this year. I think the chairman mentioned 100, over 100,000 people watching the Bears game online. Yeah. Are there plans to keep that and then potentially update that and really use that as a tool for the club for, okay. for seasons to come? Okay, the answer is yes and yes. I mean, basically, last year, we took the, de uh, the decision to only give access to exclusive 2020 members. And I'm very much in the opinion we made the right decision. Yeah, we were basically rewarding. And I, be careful when I use the, the, the word loyalty, because there's lots of different types yeah. of loyalty. But we made the decision and we stuck with it. And I think we did the right thing. What we did this season was we opened it up to um, to anybody. What that's done is it's put viewing figures from 30,000 last year to 1.4 million this year. So the growth is huge. Okay. Yeah. And I believe personally it's only the beginning. 
a couple of people have commented to me, you know, is it something that we could sell? Can we sell a digital package? Well, the answer to that is no. Um, there are contractual issues with Sky and BBC, which means that currently we cannot do that. So you couldn't, you couldn't do like a, you couldn't do a digital membership package, for example. No, no. Okay. Love to do it. Love to do it, but but we'll be going against the BBC and Sky, and that's obviously something that we can't do. The improvements that we made to it this year, there were many improvements. We added another camera to it. We improved the ball tracking to it. We brought in our own team um, to commentate on the T20 games, so that was a different dimension. It was, I think it worked very, very well. In fact, the feedback from that was was excellent. So and it was more stable. The key thing is that that, that stream was more stable. Um, we have had Wi-Fi issues in the stadium. They are, I'm told, and I believe, and I've sat in most of the meetings now rectified. So, uh, but it didn't affect live streaming this year. It didn't affect live streaming this year. Um, the product that we put out was 10 times better than last year. And if we can tweak it and enhance it the next year, it's certainly something that we'll look at. But I think actually what we do on a fairly limited budget is exceptional. We hosted a Lancashire-Leicestershire game last year uh, during, uh, during COVID. Uh, and Lancashire brought a live stream team of eight people. Now, that to me was... A bit OTT. We have a very lean team, but we have a very capable team. And I think what we did this year was excellent. I think the results and the comments we have back are good. Can we tweak it and improve it next year? Of course we can improve it next year. Right, okay. So that was uh, myself and Dave Hoskins. First and foremost, gentlemen, thoughts in general. Pete? Um, yeah, it's good. Good interview. And I'm, first of all, congratulations, Jim, on hitting record, because I know you've had a bit of difficulty with that <laughs> as the uh, <laughs> season's gone through. So well done. Thanks, um, mate. The first thing was uh, good to see about recruitment to off-field positions. We've had the view historically that, that uh, you know, to, to work for Worcestershire County Cricket Club, you've got to be, I wouldn't say jack-of-all-trades, master of none, but certainly multifaceted. And, I, um, I thought the criterion was mainly just opposable thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> so to hear that they're getting the right people uh, in the right positions is good news, being run properly, and some of the things that we've got frustrations with, hopefully will improve in the coming seasons as those posts are filled. So that was the first thing. Communication point. I completely agree with what he said around supporters often seek information too quickly. And I would go one step further and say probably too detailed. I still am not convinced that the the club can't uh, expand their their match previews to give very generic updates. For example, Josh Dell uh, remains sidelined with a thumb injury. That's not hard to include, is it? It's very generic. It doesn't give too much detail. So uh, a bit indifferent on that one. Um, But the one that really annoyed me, I think, is the ladies' pavilion. You gents know, because I waffle on about it all the time in uh, in the WhatsApp chat, but this is an issue that, it's particularly, uh, uh, particularly important to me because I've been having chats with my mum, who's a, a long-standing member with Worcestershire, as her friend. And you know, the ladies' pavilion is a symbol of segregation. Women were not allowed in the men's pavilion. It was stated in the 1970s book, members' books. So we're not suggesting that the purpose of the ladies' pavilion should be changed you know the way it plays an integral role in in match day experience but i think the club are missing a trick by not renaming it and then promoting the women's game within it because if you think about you know queuing up to get your refreshments and learning more about the rise of the women's rapids and the central sparks i think the club are really missing a trick there so that one for me is a little bit of a negative uh, maybe that's something we can talk more about in in another episode should we ever make one 
Yeah, good points, Pete. Just to pick up on the thing about the women's pavilion, I, I agree with you, they are missing a trick with that. This kind of white male social order, the society, the patriarchy, everything that's in the news about how women are perceived by men and all this sort of stuff. Ultimately, what I feel with it is they should ask the question. That's how I feel. I think they should ask the question. And not necessarily to us, because who cares what white middle-aged and middle-class men think? I'll be interested to know what female supporters under the age of 40 think about it. Well, that, you know, interestingly, that... just to expand on that, my mum was telling me that she was at a game recently and there was a dad um, and he heard the da- uh, his daughters ask the question, why is it still called the Ladies' Pavilion? They were utterly confused as to why it was. And there are more people like that, male and female, who start to feel this way. So, yeah, I think they should at least ask the question and it doesn't do... It's not much to ask and I think they should. Yeah, just... So let's let's have a crack at being in the 21st century. You do have to confront some of the unpleasant truths about it. And the, the, the Women's Pavilion existed, as you point out, because they weren't allowed in the proper one. So we're going to give you a slightly less good one near it that you can have to stay in there. Um, well, yeah, yeah and being jolly good, going to make us some cakes while you're in there. That's what um, it was, wasn't it? Let's just, it. Just, just to be clear, do keep doing the cakes, though, because they're delicious. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so um, your thoughts on the interview, does? Really good, um, really good to have Dave interviewing with us, and like you say, it was great to, um, to have sort of ind- independent of the club interviewing his, him and as well. So uh, really good to hear from them. Um, quite pleased to hear about the massive increase in the viewers on on the uh, on the YouTube coverage, went from thirty k to one point four million. Yeah, that's year. astonishing, isn't that's it? Fifty fold increase. That's that is absolutely incredible. That shows what an appetite there is there for county championship cricket. And just because you haven't got grounds being packed uh, full of people watching, it's a shame they can't um, can't make any money on the digital side of things by offering subscriptions or what have you. Because um, I think most people we have to pay a couple of quid a month or something like that to watch it. But um, to, to to have it available there for people to watch uh, and to have that many people watching it shows what an appetite there is for it. I think that was really really big. That's a big thing. I think, Yeah, it's, it's a big it's a bigger number than I thought. And I think it's all pretty self-explanatory. As an interview, it's not going to pull up any trees. There's not anything particularly incendiary or like hugely interesting about it. But I think just the interview itself is what pleases yeah, me. Absolutely, yeah. Is it, the is the fact that no, we didn't get to speak to Paul Bridge and no, we didn't get to ask any pointy questions about cricket. We couldn't really get into the kind of the nitty gritty of cricket. That's not Dave's remit and that. That's not fair. But he did have to ask permission from the board to speak to me. Okay, so from that point of view, we we weren't going in to try and, you know, land haymakers and be, I I suppose, difficult or challenging or do any kind of investigative work. We just wanted a chat. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah, I and I think the to ask questions that people want asking as well. How many times do we see an interview uh, that's posted on the website or on the, on the club's YouTube channel? And we go, why are you asking that? Why are you asking that? Well, we've had the chance now to ask questions like that, and well, the... uh, hopefully, we'll do in the future as well. It's not about being self-important. I've got a I've got a day job that allows me to be the self-important Wally that I am. This is just a labour of love, and this is just just because I care. So the fact that they have to go to the board and say I want to talk to the such and such podcast is not because we're important or anything. But what we can do is we can be a voice. They've acknowledged that we exist, and they have opened a dialogue with us, which means that if we want to talk to them next season, maybe they will put someone up who is in charge of the cricket steering group. Maybe they will start to acknowledge the fact that there is an interest beyond the membership and beyond a very structured communication platform, which is very controlled by the club. Again, it's not. We have no issue or agenda. Just asking. Forgive my uh, flippancy, Jim, but that's the first time you've ever said that you're not important. Uh, I think that's very unfair, Pete, because what I've, <laughs> I, what, I've, what I've clearly stated here is that on my official professional capacity, I'm clearly important. 
Uh, it's just my importance wanes in great significance when hanging out with you two, and, and that's that's understandable. <laughs> oh, you've made me look silly now. I know, babes. I do this for a living. Don't try me. Um, so, uh, so there we are. So that's oh, you know, that. Interesting thing from from that as well was the um, talking about the well the ground improvements for next year. Significant ground improvements on the way. So we'll look forward to seeing those. And uh, the floodlights, because how many rumours you hear about why we can and can't have floodlights? Um, so it sounds like something like this happening in the near future. Um, well, but it is a possibility. So. Yeah, they always say there's like, oh, it's, it's planning permission, or they'll say there are residents yeah, that are just point blank against it. Houses or something, you, you know. But then you realise, well, yeah, it's conservation area and planning permission and probably residents yeah, and absolutely. probably flooding and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, um, fair enough. Anyway, we've done enough sort of backslapping and saying well done us for talking to the club. Um, so that's that's enough of that. But um, as we suspected, the the people that are running the club are trying to do. We are just we're just trying to do something sincerely and well ourselves. And it's you know it's a labour of love, and we spend a lot of time putting this thing together in our own time for no money, um, just to try and make the hardy souls the the two or three people that listen to this nonsense smile every now and again. So there we are. So it's been sort of but, worthwhile. Um, but thank you to them for sending in questions. Yes, of course, yeah. And uh, and of course, I, I did mention the fact that Mr. Ferguson was after a job. Um, so, TBC, Fergie, if you get yourself in the club, get yourself a cushy gig, let us know. Ideally, it's in the bar, and ideally, we get looked after. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. Okay. Nod, nod, wing, wing. I'll tell you what, actually, thank you as well to whoever uh, sent in the question about the food. Because you, you asked about the food there, not something I should have asked, being a, a foodie myself. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, Pete, Pete, how long did that take? I was sort of surprised he did not never say nothing about food. I know, I, well, I, I, you know, I'm trying to be good. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I had a thought the other day because, do you remember the old pies at Kidderminster Harriers? Oh, they're I mean, glorious. Yeah, the Brian Murdoch and his family uh, yeah. uh, used to supply. Well, they're, 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 their contract with Kiddie came to an end and they're not doing them there anymore. I think we should be. I think the county should be on the phone to them. Who doesn't That's... want a massive cottage pie while you're watching some cricket in the middle of April or October or whenever the county season is going to be next year? Well, what take... we've learned from this is Daz is looking for sponsorship on his bat when he plays for the Unicorns <laughs> next season. <laughs> <laughs> that would be absolutely joyous. Imagine a well, who is it? it? Was um, Arjuna Ranatunga, the um, the former um, Sri Lankan captain? He was a little bit. He had a bit of girth to him, and he had a chicken company sponsor his bat. This was late 90s. I, I promise you this is true. I don't remember Arjuna Ranatunga. Give it a Google. I'm sure I'm not making this up. I'm pretty sure he had a chicken company sponsor him on his butt. It wasn't one of the big famous ones. Um, but, um, yeah, that made me laugh. Anyway, yeah, Daz, get some sponsorship. I've given you a new bat. You get some stickers for it, son. Oh, yeah, I will, actually, yeah. I picked up my uh, unicorns. I picked up my award on Friday night at the award ceremony. Well, Hang on a minute. Most what? catches. <laughs> no, Miss Dumpings. No. Most <laughs> runouts without scoring. <laughs> is it is it the uh, most amount most amount of time spent at the wicket without managing cu- cumulatively to get to double figures? <laughs> no. It, largest T. Uh, largest T. Um, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> go on, go on, Dad. You got another one. And of course, most ducks. Most ducks, really? <laughs> yeah. Most yeah. ducks. Most. Du- do you reckon having the biggest tea had something to do with having the most ducks? Do you think? The club has for longer. Well, look, look, Daz, I'm, I'm determined to turn you into a cricketer, my friend. I've already, I, I, people don't know this, but I've already, I've already been working out a regime for him. I've already got him planking. So Daz, Daz is going to turn into a um, Ashley Giles-esque, respectable lower order bat by next season. That's going to happen. Daz, congratulations on your awards. I mean, both of them borderline shaming. 
but most um, decorated player. Most decorated player. What, what did you do? Fall in some paint. <laughs> <laughs> I borrowed one of your shirts again. Oh, I tell you what, that's what you're going to disrespect my sartorial elegance. Unbelievable. I've seen I've seen the photos of you at Pride Tiger. Don't give me that. Oh yeah, yeah. Jamie, is there any chance? Any chance we can move on to our player of the year award before Daz nominates himself? Yeah, <laughs> fair shakes. Um, you know, Daz, um, good on you for the unicorns. We actually do check out all the Pride stuff as well because um, Daz was representing uh, and looking good doing it. So good on you, mate. You keep trucking. Next year, you're going to get an award for some sort of performance-based effort. That would be good. And not the most amount of sandwiches in a minute. Um, yes, let's get to the nitty-gritty because um, did, we I, are... I, sorry, I needed the biggest lunchbox out then. Okay, no, right. I mean, stop, sorry, stop, sorry. stop, just, stop I, crashing yeah. my links. Stop crashing no, no, my no. links. <laughs> just stop crashing my links. <laughs> like every every week, right? Basically, you've gotten more and more confident every week. The first month we did this, you were so polite, and everything was just smooth as anything. And then you got a bit. You realised that you were quite good at this. And then ever since then, you've been crashing my vocals, and I've had to do so uh, much editing. You, but I'm leaving that in as well. Yeah, That's it. No, this is no, like. No, no. We're doing the pod, but also the behind the scenes of the pod uh, at the same time, which is baffling. Right. So, yes, the honour pair, pair extraordinaire, the pair of the year who will win the inaugural Chaminda Vase. That is the funniest name for a cricketing trophy ever. You are welcome. Okay. so how do we want to go about this? Are we going to talk about our prospective candidates? And then go to a vote, or are we going to pick a player each and argue the cause? I, I think, quite honestly, if you're not going for Libby, you're doing it wrong. I think the argument is for the runners-up spot. All right, bearing bearing that in mind, then, does can anyone think of a reason why we don't just give it to Jake Libby straight away, Pete? Any uh, have, is there any reason we can't just give it to Jake Libby right now and waste not waste our time talking about it? I mean, I, I do agree that, that Jake Libby would be my nomination, but um, I would just mention something that Alex Gidman referred to, actually, in an interview that he did recently. Collectively, as a team, obviously, it's been disappointing this year, but it's also the job of the coaches to improve in players. And uh, a number of players have come through. You know, Haynes has, has done well, didn't play enough games this season to be considered for our illustrious trophy because he, he didn't play much of the, the T20, did he? Josh Baker, you know, coming through, done well. Banton as well, but again, they're not not in the running for this. Barnard's batting has improved. You know, second highest run scorer did well with the ball in the One Day Cup. Barnard's taken a step forward, but you'd probably argue across the competitions maybe he didn't do enough. Certainly compared to Livy, but Dolivera taken another step forward, particularly in white ball cricket. Played really well in white ball cricket this year, um, so he would be a name that I would have, have put in the mix. But I think it's Livy's all round contribution. He was brilliant in red ball cricket and he also put in some match-winning white ball performances as well. That means that, that Libby, I think, is going to be the one that gets the vote. But there's some other important people to mention. In the first half of the season, when times were tough, I thought he was very good in red ball cricket. 50s and, and gritty and tough. The second half of the season, in the kind of dead rubber bits, he just carried on playing one-day cricket in the red ball game and he annoyed me, actually. I'd have had him much closer in the pecking order had he not... I mean, the, the dismissal at Lords was rubbish. One of the dismissals against Leicestershire was rubbish. So I like he. It was like he. I was baffled by how he batted towards the end of the season. So yeah, Dolly lost a little bit of favour towards the end. Here's my problem with Jake Libby winning the trophy, right? And I think we can all agree he's been our best player comfortably, right? He's just been consistently very good in every competition and outstanding in red ball cricket. But 
and I don't think this has been this hasn't, this hasn't really been discussed enough. And it's something that needs to be taken seriously, boys. And I'm a little bit annoyed that it hasn't been picked up on sooner, but I do my research. Jake Libby supports Plymouth Argyle. Okay? He is our best player. It's not even close. This season, he's our best player. He just is. Uh, Haynes' 150 was brilliant against Essex. Penny's four wickets for Nout against Yorkshire was brilliant. They have come on leaps and bounds. I'm excited about them for the future. I don't know who to go for here because it ain't Jake Libby. I can't do Plymouth Argyle. I can't, I can't, I can't in good conscience vote for a Plymouth Argyle supporter. Well, why don't you not vote and Daz and I will both vote for Jake Libby and then he wins by default. I mean, that's fair enough. That's how a democracy works. Um, Who am I going to go for? Who who am I going to go for? Uh... Okay, come on then. Let's put it to a vote then. Um, So, Daryl Butler, who is your... Player of the season. It's Jake Libby. It's got to be Jake Libby, hasn't it? Honourable mentions to Jack Haynes. I, th- I think he's my runner-up for player of the season. I think he's had an absolutely superb season. I, I'm just good that he didn't get a century. Um, catch on the boundary. I'm starting to think more and more about it. And think more and more it was a stupid shot in the green with you, but I don't want to say it too loudly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I he didn't play much in the 2020 stuff, but uh, everything else he did. Uh, your quote of the year, wasn't it? He, he rocks up, puts all to shirt on and scores a 50. Mm, he does, doesn't he? I think he's, um, he's got a great attitude. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be top class player in the future. Um, he'd be my runner up. Jake Libby's the winner. He has to be. Very well, Peter de Somberg. Who do you like for Player of the Year? Ricky Vessels. No. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is a gutsy uh, no. call. I love everything <laughs> about that. <laughs> uh, Oliveira, uh, close second, but Jake Libby for me. Right, I mean, I, I mean, there's no point in me even saying anything because because uh, it's Jake Libby. He's got it locked in. He knew it already, though. He already knew it. Um, yeah, Dolly Dolly has been really solid. Uh, I thought he bowled really well in the in the T20s as well. But he's been in the short form of the game with the bat. He's been great. I think it's been a bit a bit of a revelation, really. Because um, I can't vote for Jake Libby, I'm going to go for Dylan Pennington. There you are. There's my player of the season. Um, because as you pointed out, it's a really good point about the player development. He has developed. And he isn't a top, uh, he isn't a frontline senior seam bowler yet, but he's had a breakthrough season. And we've seen things from him that will suggest that he's going to get better and develop. And that's really, really important. So I'm going to go for Dylan Pennington for his brilliant bowling performances, particularly in the short form of the game. He took plenty of wickets early on. And then my runner-up is uh, Jack Haynes because he puts a Worcestershire shirt on and he scores a 50. Jake Libby probably gets somewhere about 6th or 7th on the list um, <laughs> just just because I've got to maintain a semblance of credibility. Um, it's nonsense, of course. It's Jake Libby is the best player we've got by Country Mile. He's been brilliant yet again. He's the best opener in county cricket. Uh, and let's hope he gets a shot for the Lions because he deserves it. Uh, we're lucky to have him. And um, uh, let's hope for plenty more of the same next season. So there we are. Yeah. The Chaminda Vars, the inaugural trophy for the Honour Pair Player of the Year, goes to Plymouth Argyle supporter Jake Libby. Who grins? What you've got to ask yourself is, does he care? Does he care? Does he think... He follows us on Twitter, doesn't he? He probably does. He's been waiting weeks for this, hasn't he? He's just been waiting at home going, I know the season's finished and I've got loads of awards at the do at, uh, at the cricket club, and this is all well and good. But what do those chubby-wristed half-wits that no-one's ever met think of my season? <laughs> I wonder if they'll prattle on about stuff they don't entirely understand and then give me an award, because that's what I live for. 
Um, I reckon he'll be there at home park tomorrow night with his his, his ears glued to his um, speakers, waiting for the result of the Chiminda Vast Trophy to come through. What exactly he'll be like? I mean, I'm enjoying the football, but I can't really concentrate. No. What do they think? Yeah, we think you're all right, Jake. Um, the big question, though, Jim, is who's going into the uh, who are we nominating for the Andrew Hall of Fame? The Andrew Hall of Fame. Well, I mean. Yeah. Are we talking? What, so, what's the deal here then? Are we going to go for like Worcestershire, Worcestershire legends that should be in our Hall of Fame? Because I feel like we could just name the people that are in the Worcestershire Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of uh, said it for a bit of a pun, but you took it really seriously now, and now I've got no follower. No, yeah. I'm liking the Worcestershire Hall of Fame. I think that should be the champagne moment of the season. I'm going for Pennington's four wickets for nothing against Yorkshire. I- I tell you what, we've just workshopped it. Yeah, the Andrew Hall of Fame for like a a, a, a magnificent moment. Allah the Hall over where he just chucked out six Yorkers. Yeah. Okay, oh, I like it. Bang. Six Yorkers, three wickets. Well, no, it was two wickets, wasn't it? Because one was a run out. Yeah, yeah, that's the Andrew Hall of Fame. I'm loving it. Great work, Pete. Okay, in that case, I'm going to nominate Jack Haynes for his uh, 150 in that one day game as, uh, as my oh, nomination. Quality. And then we're going to leave it up to Jim to decide. Yeah, okay, so, so I mean, what it comes down to then is it's either Penny or Jack Haynes for the Andrew Hall of Fame. Mm. I, do you know what? I think the 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 hundred and fifty odd was really exciting, and it, it like it was. It's always it's always good fun to watch a batsman dance down the wicket and smack it wherever he wants. And he played every kind of shot. The he changed his tempo when he needed to. He found a boundary when it mattered, whacking Harmer over extra cover. But I just there's something about watching a fast bowler decimate a batting unit that's very very satisfying and although we ended up absolutely bossing it up towards the end because we couldn't bowl at the death just listening to a yorkshire crowd just to go from a grumble to a mumble to silence is satisfying shutting up yorkshireman is brilliant isn't it so <laughs> I, it just is dylan pennington for that fourth and out and um yeah. really sucking it to him and that game was won and we still somehow got defeat from the jaws of victory but you know that's the way it goes sometimes if you want a guaranteed outcome go to the theater this is live sport baby uh so i'm gonna go for well, dylan pennington i think i think that's fine i think i can get on board with that although interestingly you've contradicted most of the uh honors board uh picks that we've done throughout the season because you've always said if you don't win the game it doesn't count so now you've just uh picked pennington in a game that we lost <laughs> in fact, in that case, I'll, I'll, I'll dig you out of trouble because I'll, I'll, uh, I'll change my pick to uh, a particular shot, I think, and it, and it was a shot that won us the game. It was Ben Cox uh, sort of scooping Matthew Potts. For oh, six the Ben Cox against, scoop. Um, against Durham in that 2020 game where we, we had loads of wickets in that, but it looked like we suddenly needed 10 off the last over and it looked like we might uh, mess it up. And it, I think it was his second game or third game as captain after we had those two horrific losses. The one right. at Yorkshire, actually, and then the uh, the Knotts game. And he, he just pulled that out of the bag out of nowhere. It was a brilliant shot. That was, uh, yeah, that's, good. that's my pick. You can have right. the Pennington one, Jim. Um, so I'm going Penny's aggressive burst at Headingley. You're going for um, Haynes's beating down of Essex in Chelmsford, Pete. And then you're going for a, a sumptuous ramp shot from Captain Cox, Daz. Boom. Right, well, there's no way of picking a winner because we've all picked something different. So let's just chuck them all in and that'll do us. The three magical moments of the season, lovely stuff. Lib is our player of the season and I think that'll just about do us. Gentlemen, that's enough of that, isn't it? It's been a long season. It has been a long season, but uh, it's been a pleasure, gents. It's been a pleasure. It's been a chore as well, but it's been a pleasure chatting to you both about Worcestershire County Cricket. It's, um, you know, we did this on a whim and it turned out all right. So thanks everyone who's put up with us. There's been some good bits. There's been some weird dibbly dobbler bits as well. But, you know, 
All you can do is try, and it only counts if you win. So there we are. Have a good winter, Pairs fans. We'll see you again some sunny day.